you've got uh, Psalm 103, I'm going to uh, just work through that for us. Johnny's read it so well to us already this afternoon. And really what we're going to do this afternoon is just think a little bit about a specific approach to prayer. And the reason that we start our year off with a week of prayer is, is prayer is one of, those, one of those gifts that is given to the church that, that really unites us. It draws us together. It has us all pulling in the same direction as God's people. And just, just think over the course of this week as we pray on our own in our homes, as we pray as families, as we pray together, when we meet corporately, as we pray through that 24 hours, hundreds of prayers, if not thousands, I don't know, of prayers are going to be offered up to the Lord this week from Liberty Church. And, and we're going to see um, some of those prayers being answered as we hope, uh, but we are absolutely going to see all of those prayers answered. And what a wonderful gift that is to be able to pray, knowing that the creator of the universe hears our prayers and answers uh, every single one of them. And it's good to just be reminded because we get so used to just coming into the throne room of God and just giving our requests, don't we? It's good to be reminded that that is, a, that is an incredible privilege that the church of Jesus Christ have. To be able to come into the presence of our Heavenly Father and boldly request that he would provide for us, that he would care for us, that he would save, that he would heal, that he would restore, that he would build, that he would revive this place. It is an incredible privilege to to come to our Heavenly Father and ask him to do the impossible and to expect that he might actually do it as well. And folks, before we take that posture of asking God in prayer, which we are so used to doing, I want us to see this afternoon that we should have a posture of thanking God in prayer. Yes, we should come and ask. Yes, we should come and plead. Yes, we should come and bring our petitions to God. But but before that, we should come with a posture of thankfulness to God in prayer. And so often, especially with weeks like this, we, we rush into the, the asking, don't we? We want God to do stuff. We want him to, to move in different ways. We want him to save people. We want him to, to, to build his church. And so often we rush into asking without giving time to thank him. And actually what you see in scripture is that God's people, yes, we are, we are called to ask when we have need, but we are, we are to have a continual posture of thankfulness. Like we come on the occasions when we need, but we should constantly and continually have a posture of thankfulness to God. As we come to God's word here in Psalm 103, we get to see what that posture of thankfulness looks like. We're going to work our way through. And I want us to start with seeing this in the psalm. First off, we see a request for thankfulness. A request for thankfulness. Um, I was working out uh, this afternoon that it was 20 years ago that I did my A-levels, which is quite scary when I think about it. And do A-levels still exist? I'm sure they do, yeah. They're not that old. And uh, one of my A-levels was English language. And um, uh, one of the things that we were taught in, English, in our English uh, language uh, uh, lessons was that if you want to drive an argument, if you're writing and you really want to force an argument through... You state and you repeat. And you keep on doing that. You state 
what it is that you want people to, to receive. You state the argument and you repeat it. And you keep on stating and repeating until the audience get what it is that you're trying to communicate. And King David, who writes this psalm here, that is what he does. He states and repeats. He states and repeats. And he's calling God's people to action. He's driving an argument. And we see in the first line of Psalm 103 what he is calling God's people to do. And I'm wondering, there's not a lot of us, so we can do this together. We can, we can say this together. The first three words of the psalm, I'll count us in. I'll say one, two, three. And then we say these words together just to see what it is that, that we're being called to do. Okay, let's go. One, two, three. Bless the Lord. That is the call of the psalm. To bless the Lord. Eight times we, we read that instruction through the psalm. Bless the Lord. Four times you read it at the start in verses 1 and 2. And then at the end in verses 21 to 22, we, we read it four times again. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. And this is really the request for thankfulness. See, we're not given much context to the Psalms. There's not many Psalms where we get a lot of context and we can understand what's going on in the background. But we know it is more than likely David who writes it. And we know that this would have been a song that God's people sung together. The Psalms were written to teach God's people, to train God's people, to know what it looks like to walk in obedience to God. And the lesson that God's people are being taught here in Psalm 103 is that, to bless the Lord. The way that the Psalm is set out, if you, if you can see it on one page, then it's easier to see it that way. But verse 1 and verse 22 are, are exactly the same phrase. Can you see that? They're mirrored, the exact same phrase, bless the Lord, O my soul. And that's a a deliberate uh, poetic device used in Hebrew poetry called an inclusio. It's just like, you know, like speech marks, like the same at the start, the same at the end. And it is used deliberately to draw our attention to the argument that the writer is trying to make. And the argument, the the thing that, that David is trying to teach us is to bless, to bless the Lord. To bless the Lord. That's why he keeps on saying it. And now folks, Hebrew isn't my thing and I'm not going to give us a Hebrew lesson here. But um, it is worth, just for, a, just for a moment, just trying to understand what that word means. In the, in the original language, what bless means. It's this word, uh, barak. It might come up on the screen there. And barak, interesting, if you know uh, your Old Testament history, uh, Barak was the name of a, of a certain man in, in the book of Judges, Judges 4 and 5. And actually, it's, it's an appropriate name for him. Because Barak means this, it means to give thanks for, or to worship, or to honour the king. Or it means to receive an award, or to receive thanks, or blessing from the king. So here's what we see. To bless someone is to take a posture of thankfulness. It's actually one of these words that, that is an action word. Like, it, 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 like in Hebrew poetry, you, you might actually see someone act out this word and what they would do is that they would kneel before you. It is to take a posture of thankfulness. And if you put that, that meaning together with the, the continual repetition through the song of, of bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, then the big idea in Psalm 103 is this. The people of God, which is, which is us, the church, have a continual posture of thankfulness towards God. That's the big idea that Psalm 103 is driving. 
The people of God have a continual and abiding, a constant posture of thankfulness towards God. Like all the time. Here's what I know. That's hard for some of us. In fact, it's probably hard for all of us. A lot of us find it hard to have that continual posture of thankfulness towards God. Some of us have hang-ups about God, issues with God. And so we find it hard actually to come to a place and be continually thankful towards us. Some of us maybe are experiencing difficulties in life or, or struggles or suffering at the moment. And actually it is clouding our ability to come to God and say thank you and to be thankful towards him. Maybe even some of us, our experience of church makes it hard for us to have that continual posture of thankfulness towards God. Thankfulness towards God can be a struggle, but see this. As well as Psalm 103 being a song that was sung to one another in order to teach one another, it's also a song that is sung to teach our own souls. Look again at verse 1 and 2 there. David is speaking to himself here. He's speaking to his own soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. He's speaking to himself. He's speaking to his soul. He's teaching himself. And now, folks, I wouldn't recommend you go around talking to yourself. That's going to take maybe some strange looks coming towards yourself, except in this occasion. This is the exception where you should do it. Speak to yourself, speak to your soul and tell your soul to bless the Lord. That's what David is doing here. He is making a request of his soul to give thanks to the Lord from the deepest part of his being. And he keeps requesting and he keeps requesting. And I guess he keeps requesting that his soul will bless the Lord until his soul actually does bless the Lord. Just think about, um, think about those, those certain kids who pester their parents. Okay, thank the Lord that I haven't got those children. But you know the ones I mean who are like, Daddy, I want some sweets. Daddy, I want some sweets. Daddy, I want some sweets. And they keep on pestering their children. Daddy, I need the toilet. I need the toilet. I need the toilet. And they keep on pestering and badgering and being belligerent little children until they wear their parents down to submission. And eventually their parents say, okay, you can have the sweets. Okay, you can go to the toilet. Okay, you can have what you want. Well, folks, if some of us are struggling to come to that posture of thankfulness towards God because of whatever reason it is, then maybe we need to take that same posture of a belligerent child with our own soul and pester our soul and keep telling our soul, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord until we actually do bless the Lord. And here in the next part of the psalm, we see why we would want to bless the Lord. We started with a request for thankfulness. And now in verses 3 to 12, we move on to the reason for thankfulness. The first reason we give thanks to God, the first reason we come to that place of wanting to bless him continually is because of what God has done. And like Psalm 103, we could probably do a whole sermon series in this psalm. Because it is just jam-packed full of things that God has done for his people. Like just verse after verse of what he has done 
for us. And we haven't got time to, to work through them all in the detail, but I'm just going to list them out for us here. And as I'm reading them, folks, these should provoke our thankfulness towards God for what he has done for us. Just look down at verse three there. He has forgiven his people of their iniquity and he has healed our sickness. I think this is probably talking primarily about our spiritual sickness. As we come into this world with a sin nature, our spiritual sickness, which separates us from God. But I think also there's a promise here for our physical sickness that either in this life or the life to come, we will find healing. Verse four, he lifts us out of the pit. David here is talking about a place of death. He lifts us out of death. And then what does he do? He crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. Verse five, he satisfies his people and he strengthens us with life. Verse six, he brings about what is right and what is just for his people. Verse seven, he discloses himself. He reveals who he is to his people. Verse 10, he doesn't deal with us according to our sin. Verse 12, I love this. He completely, completely removes our transgressions as far as the east is from the west. They are gone. And I wish we had more time to unpack each of those things that God has done for us. We don't. And so I'm just going to sprint us towards where this is pointing. Hopefully you can see. These verses are pointing us towards a specific moment in history, a specific time, a specific action where, where God accomplished these things for his people. These verses are pointing us to the cross. I don't think I have to do much work to help us to see that. David talks about God's people moving from death to life. He talks about a time where there will be forgiveness of, of the sins for, for God's people. He talks about a time where justice will be administered, where righteousness will be clear, where healing will come to his people. And all of those things are secured for God's people at the cross. And so as we start out this new year, if you're struggling to take that posture of thankfulness towards God, then I encourage you, look to Jesus and remember what he has done for you. Remember what he accomplished for you at the cross. Remember how he dealt with your sin and dealt with your death through his death. Remember how he satisfied your soul with eternal life through his resurrection. If you're struggling to come to a place of thankfulness to God, then remember what he has done for you. But not only that, remember who he is. Remember what he's done and remember who he is. I said that there isn't much context we get in this psalm apart from just that little line at the start which tells us it's a, it's a psalm of David. But actually that teaches us a lot. Like if you look at the content of what, of what David shares through the psalm, it's clear that he's writing this psalm after he's lived a bit. It's clearly as he's a little bit older in, in his years and he's experienced life a little bit, he talks knowledgeably and experientially about sin, about suffering, about sickness. And they're all things that David, David was well acquainted with in his life. He knew what it was to battle with sin. He knew what it was to struggle with sickness. He knew what it was to suffer. David, King David, had joyful days. 
Days where it felt like it was on the mountaintop, but he also had days where he felt like he was in the deepest of valleys. He had light days and he had dark days. He had light days and he had heavy days, just like all of us. And yet the constant refrain of his soul was continual thankfulness to God. He desires to give thanks in every situation because of what God has done and promised to do, but also because of who God is. Um, during the early 2000s, there was a song written by uh, Matt and um, Beth Redman. And as we're reading Psalm 103, maybe some of us are singing it in our heads because uh, it's a, a familiar one maybe to many of us. And this song became really popular in those first few years of the 2000s. It was written on the back of the 9-11 terrorist attacks, if you remember that in America. And Matt Redman writes a book, and in the book he's writing about the background to the song that, that him and his wife wrote. And he said the reason they wrote this song was because they were just they were taken aback by the lack of, of vocabulary in, in church kind of worship music that would help us respond appropriately to, to dark times, to times of suffering, to times... Of, of, of struggle and, and those are seasons that we all face and so they wrote this song to help us and the song became a bit of an anthem I'm not going to sing it to you but I'll read uh, the first verse to you it'll be familiar to some of you that it went like this blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me and the world's all as it should be blessed be your name blessed be your name on the road Mark was suffering though there's pain in the offering Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when the sun's shining. Blessed be your name in the suffering and in the pain. And the Redmonds wrote that song after they'd been studying the book of Job together. If you know something about the book of Job, you know that Job is a man who suffers under the sovereign hand of God. And quite often we think that, the, that Job is about suffering and that's, that's it. Actually, as they were working through it, this is the conclusion that they came to. This is Matt Redman writing, and he says this, talking about the book of Job. He says, I think it's really about something much grander, the sovereignty of God, of which suffering is a subcategory. At the end of chapter one of Job, it says, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Trust is a beautiful act of worship. It says to God, I believe in you, in your unfailing goodness and greatness, no matter what season of life I find myself in. Folks, there is good reasons to take a posture of thankfulness towards the Lord, even in the darkest of times, if we know who God is, if we know who he is. In the middle of our psalm, in verse 8, we read this. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And then in verse 9, David tells us how we know that to be true. He says, he will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. And verse 8 there, the Lord is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. If you know the story of the Exodus, then, then that verse sounds familiar to you. That's how God reveals himself to Moses on, on Mount Sinai. Moses wants to know who it is that he's dealing with. And God says, okay, this is who I am. 
I am merciful. I am gracious. I am slow to anger. I am abounding in steadfast love. If you want to know who it is that you're dealing with, that's who I am. And folks, that is an important lesson for us to learn. Because unlike our situations, which will change and will flux, unlike our situations, which, which one day will feel like we're on that mountaintop and one day will feel like we're in the valley, unlike our situations, which sometimes feel so joyful and light and other times feel so heavy and hard, unlike the changeability of our situations, God remains the same. He is constantly who he is. He is always merciful. He is always gracious. He is always patient towards his people. He is always abounding in his love towards his people. And that is so important for us to know that he is the same all the time. Because there will be times when we find ourselves in those situations. When we find ourselves in the valley. And we look around us and we think there is nothing for me to give thanks for here. Like there's no blessing coming towards me here. There's no good stuff around me. It just feels like darkness day after day after day. And in those moments, Psalm 103 sorry, would encourage us to lift our heads and to see who God is. To see who he is. To see that he is still merciful. He is still gracious. He is still patient. And he is still loving towards us and when we remember who he is and we see who he is in those moments we can be thankful we can be thankful that our God is a God whose mercy isn't predicated on our worthiness we can be thankful that our God is a God whose grace isn't conditional on our good works We can be thankful that our God is a God whose patience isn't exhausted by our foolishness. We can be thankful that our God is a God whose love isn't restricted by our moral ugliness. For what he has done and for all that he is, brothers and sisters, say to your soul, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. We see the request of thankfulness, the reasons for thankfulness. And then finally, we see the response of thankfulness in verse 11, 13 to 17 and verse 20. Thankfulness, this, this blessing of the Lord is a repeated theme through the psalm. But then towards the end of the psalm, you get another repeated theme. We see this theme of the fear of the Lord being repeated. You see in verse 11 there, God's love is towards those who fear him. And again, in verse 13 to 17, his compassion is towards those who fear. And it seems like thankfulness and fear seem to go together. In the scriptures, you see that fear has two aspects. There is a a fear, firstly, that has us hide from God because we know his holy justice. But then there is a worshipful fear. A fear that we're encouraged to embrace here. A fear where we draw near to God. A fear where we respond to God in word and in deed. Because we know his holy justice, but we also know his holy love. And so in light of what he has done, in light of who he is, the people of God have a continual posture of thankfulness to God. And that thankfulness is seen in a holy reverence towards God that has us has us show that thankfulness in both word and in deed. 
Tim Keller says this, it'll come up on the screen for us there. He says, it is one thing to be grateful. It's another to give thanks. Gratitude is what you feel. Thankfulness is what you do. It's easy, isn't it, folks, in some respects, to look at the person and the work of Jesus and to be thankful with our mouths, to sing and to speak and to preach in a way that, that, that is thankful, in a way that, that sounds thankful. But thankfulness that is motivated by holy fear asks for more. Look down at verse 20 and 21 with me. Verse 20, we read this. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who, let's say those three words together, his ministers who do his will. True thankfulness will be seen, folks, not just in what we say, but in what we do. And the call of the psalm is to bless the Lord. And, and that looks like doing what the Lord has called us to do. Let me say this. There is no good singing our hearts out here and then refusing to submit to what God says in here. It's no good coming here on Sunday afternoon and, and being thankful with our lips and then when we get home refusing Refusing to submit to what he says in his word. And I wonder, folks, how many of us are doing that? How many of us are actively resisting the will of God? How many of us are refusing to take that posture of genuine thankfulness because we are refusing to do his will? How many of us are actively resisting doing his will over an issue of habitual sin? we just keep on coming back to again and again when we know what righteousness looks like in this word how many of us are actively resisting the will of God in an ungodly attitude unpatience unkindness jealousy whatever it is keeping on coming back to that behavior over and over again when we know what what godliness looks like in his word how many of us are actively resisting the will of God in in an area of sacrifice we know he is calling us into, but we are stubbornly sitting in comfort. How many of us are actively resisting the will of God in an area of obedience? When we know he is calling us to walk in a certain direction, and yet we are stubbornly staying where we are. Folks, those who are truly thankful will do his will. So as I wrap up here, what will that look like for you this week? What will it look like for you to, to take that posture of genuine thankfulness towards God? Folks, it's got to start in here. It's got to start in spending time in God's word, drawing near to Jesus in holy fear, listening to his voice, asking for the help of his spirit to discern his will, and then doing it. Friends, this week, this year, would we be a people who say to our soul continually, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord.
for what he's done and for who he is. Bless the Lord. And would we be a people who bless him with our words, but also respond to him with genuine thankfulness as we bless him with doing his will. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. And then we're going to just spend a bit of time praying together before we take uh, this meal. Father, you are merciful. You are gracious. You are slow to anger. You are abounding in steadfast love. We thank you, Father. We only need to look to the cross of your son to see that. To see your mercy, to see your grace, to see your patience towards your people, to see your steadfast love. And so we bless you, Father. We bless you for all that you've done for us and we bless you for all that you are. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would teach us, that you would help us, that you would train us this week and train us this year to be a people who have that continual posture of thankfulness in our words and in our deeds. And we pray that for the glory of Jesus alone. It's in his name that we pray.